Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Today we have a very important topic to discuss with you that affects many families in Minnesota and also throughout the United States. An interesting study published in the Journal of American Association of Psychiatry found that one in eight American adults now meet the diagnostic criteria for an alcohol use disorder. Well, what does that mean, alcohol use disorder? It means alcoholism. So one in eight adults are now considered suffering from alcoholism. That's up about 2% at least, because the last time I talked about this, it was one in 10. So, so this study went on to say that there has been a 49% increased rate of alcoholism in the first 10 years of the 2000s. So between 2000 and 2010, there was a 49% increase. It's a huge increase. Uh-huh. So I think we have to ask the question, why? Why has there been such an increased rate of addiction? What is really behind this outrageous increase of alcoholism? You know, some of the experts, some of the researchers say that it is because people are eating more sugar. Well, that makes sense. Yes. And we'll get more into that later in the show. Yes. And then there are some people, some experts that say that sugar is actually what they consider a gateway drug into alcoholism. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, to think yes. about? So I will assume we will be seeing an increased number of those seeking treatment to gain sobriety. So today we want to help you understand how eating real food in balance can support your efforts to maintain your recovery and sobriety. You know, I'm pretty sure that this information will be new for many of you, perhaps even a new concept. So I'm Darlene Kavist. I'm a certified nutrition specialist, licensed in the state of Minnesota since 1996. And after all these years, I am still awed by the help that real food nutrition can give people with a variety of health conditions, including addiction. I mean, I don't think people have ever thought about that before, you know. So joining us today is licensed nutritionist Kara Carper, who has also put her heart and soul into helping people feel better through real food nutrition. Kara, thank you for coming on today. And you're welcome. How about introducing our guest? I would love to. And it's great to be on with you again, Dar, by the way, because you and I haven't been on in a we, while. We haven't. <laughs> so this is great. So like Dar said, my name is Kara Carper. I'm also a licensed nutritionist. To help our listeners understand the impact of good nutrition on maintaining sobriety, we have invited a very special guest. Her name is Nancy Lindgren, and she's going to share her recovery and sobriety story. And Nancy's had an amazing 39 years of sobriety. Imagine, 39, 39 years going on. What, Phenomenal. Nancy? <laughs> 40. 40. I know. Check the record books. Can that be true? <laughs> You're not even 40 years old. How can this be? <laughs> 
So to the surprise of many, you know, one of the tools in her toolbox has been following a diet of eating real food in balance. Now, that's, of course, not a surprise to us, but it may be to some of our listeners. (laughs) It hasn't been a fancy diet, just real food. So an example is real meat, real animal protein, real vegetables, and real healthy natural fats. You know, before we turn the mic over to Nancy, well, we might never get it back if we turn it over, you know. (laughs) Well, let's hope not because she has a great story. We have some very interesting information to share. Did you know that the founder of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson, realized as he was getting older that nutrition played a very important role in maintaining sobriety? He discovered whenever he drank coffee or ate donuts or some other sugary treats like they have at AA meetings, that the symptoms of out-of-control blood sugar would hit him, and also his depression got worse, which was really interesting. So the donuts and the coffee were not really healing foods for him. He believes so strongly in the role of nutrition in recovery and sobriety that he actually tried to get nutrition therapy added to the AA program. AA founder Bill Wilson, knowledge and understanding of how nutrition can support efforts to maintain sobriety was, without a doubt, he was way before his time because, you know, 75 years later, the treatment center is, the treatment community is finally starting to embrace nutrition as a support for sobriety. Well, actually, I should say some treatment centers because some are still 50 years behind and they're not really mm-hmm. talking about That's good so food. That's so true. Kind yeah. of more of the conventional old school method. Right, exactly. Yeah. Currently, relapse relapse rates for alcohol fall within the range of up to 60%. It's 40 to 60%. That's amazing, isn't it, Cara? It really is. That's relapse. More people are relapsing than not. So this is, yeah. So again, Nancy's story is not, not very common. So to help you realize the magnitude of having 39, almost 40 years of sobriety, like Nancy, I'm going to throw another fact at you. More than 50% of American adults drink alcohol. If you don't drink, you actually are considered different out of the norm. Although currently there's a movement to live an alcohol-free lifestyle. We talked a little bit about that before the show. So we're finally going to let Nancy have the microphone. She's Nancy's worked very hard on her success of personal recovery and sobriety. So Nancy, it would be great if you could please share your recovery and sobriety story if you don't mind, you know, starting at the beginning and way then back 40 years 40 ago, years ago <laughs> and then, of course, uh, kind of insert how you started looking at food and real food as part of the program. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me on the show. I got sober at the age of 25. Young. Yep. I knew at the age of 21 that I was an alcoholic, but I just wasn't ready to uh, stop the partying yet. (laughs) I actually remember thinking, you know, when I'm in my 40s, when life gets really boring, then I'll quit drinking. But I just didn't quite make it that far. (laughs) Um, So I knew because I had alcoholism in my family and extended family, and I could see firsthand that I drank too much, just like them. I do not have a stop button when it comes to drinking alcohol. So, Nancy, what does that mean? I don't think people would understand. What you is know, a stop button? There is a, st- a um, quote in AA that says, um, one is too many and a thousand isn't enough. Okay. And really, once I start, I don't want to stop. 
I mean, that's as true for a lot of people with sugar addiction. Very much so. If yeah. they stop, start with one little piece. Yep. One little they, piece, one little cookie, and then one it's little more, drink, maybe I'll have two. One little glass yep. of wine. Yep. I just, I can't do it. And um, uh, so it was, in, it's interesting that you made that realization. Well, I, I actually, um, you know, uh, had some trouble with alcohol and uh, was told about this program to help people be responsible drinkers. So maybe go sign up for that. Oh, so okay. I went to this program okay. and they were teaching us how to have two cocktails, like go out and have your two glasses of wine or two cocktails. And it was on one of those evenings that I went out to try to have this responsible drinking that I really got myself into some serious trouble. And I knew then that I needed something more. And they just didn't want to listen. They're like, no, but you just try. And I'm like, no, you need you need to listen to me. I'm in an awful lot of pain here. So you knew I, yourself better than they did, obviously. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, well, you want to look at the bruise on my leg here from <laughs> what happened last night? I mean, really, I yes. hurt myself very badly to the point where I still have an injury in my low back from what I did that okay. night by falling. So, uh -huh. I mean, you know. Um, that should, that's probably woke you up. Oh, yeah. And um, I really did try. So, in 1980, I went to treatment at a place that was way ahead of its time. It looked at the whole person, and along with the emotional and spiritual needs that we have, it included bringing the body back into balance with a focus on nutrition. Wow. So how's that for 1980, right? That was amazing. Yeah. So uh, as many of us know, our poor bodies are so out of balance when we've been drinking to excess, especially with the high amounts of sugar and the alcohol. Um, they served full breakfast of eggs, breakfast meats, fruits, yogurt, uh, not just bagels and muffins and donuts. So were other coffee. people in shock when they well, was, sat down to a real... Well, people were being nourished. They liked it. You oh, know, good. It was pretty amazing. And then there were healthy snacks set out in the afternoon and late morning and... Was it wasn't your... just bags of chips or, you know, mm -hmm. cookies or whatever. So right. it was kind of cool. Was that your first introduction to real food as a tool for recovery and sobriety? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds yeah. cutting edge. Yep. Back it then really especially. was. Yeah. So it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. So, you know, when I'm counseling clients who struggle with addiction... You know, whether it's alcohol addiction or food addiction or sugar addiction or gambling addiction or shopping addiction, we could go on and on, couldn't we? Uh, I always start with a, teaching them about blood sugar. And we have to talk about blood sugar control. So in our nutrition classes and even on Dishing Up Nutrition, we explain the connection of having low blood sugar to an increase in having cravings. When you have low blood sugar... Your brain has low brain activity, which can lead to cravings and poor decision-making. Your own personal self-control mechanism is usually connected to how well you maintain a normal blood sugar. And I know we have to go to break, so we we'll come back to low blood sugar later. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Today we're discussing the food connection to sobriety with special guest Nancy Lindgren, who celebrates 39 years of recovery and sobriety. So we will be back after break. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you have an addiction problem of any kind or a chronic health problem, I encourage you to take the weekend weight and wellness seminar 
the weekend of Friday, April 24th through Sunday, April 26th. And we actually have people that fly in to take this. And they sometimes fly in with their friends or their family. So it's really great. The weekend seminar will help you understand blood sugar control and neurotransmitter production in detail. Um, we also have entire families taking this life-changing seminar together so that they can actually support one another. So if you want to sign up, sign up at weightandwellness.com, or if you have questions, just give us a call at 651-699-3438. People love that weekend weight and wellness seminar. You know, it's it's almost like a, a getaway, especially for those who are traveling. Exactly, you know? it is. And it's it, we have... We have six different teachers, so you don't have yeah. to listen to the same boring <laughs> nutritionist, you know, so it's It's fun. a real variety of personalities and yeah. And they're great. all passionate about eating They're all super real talented. Food. Yep. So Dar, before break, you had started talking about low blood sugar. This is, I feel this is the most important part of, you know, anyone going into sobriety and recovery is managing blood sugars because low blood sugar levels can make you feel hungry irritable, anxious. And of course, feeling that way, can those things can all lead to making poor choices or poor decisions. So Nancy, when you were starting in your real food journey, how did you avoid um, getting low blood sugar and having some of those uncomfortable symptoms? Or even how do you do it now? I mean, because yeah. you, know, you have a very busy practice and a busy life and a new granddaughter and all those yep. things. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I do this... I do it pretty well most of the time. And then there's times where I get off, you know, <laughs> task there that with means food. You're human. And, yeah. So, um, but I, I'm most successful when I eat good meals and snacks uh, with the same thing you've been talking about for years and years and years, healthy protein, carbon, fat. It's pretty amazing after you eat really well. I think we've all felt it, that feeling of being nourished, you know, that feeling of, I just ate something really balancing for my body. My body feels calmer. And um, the way I do it is to uh, eat the, the way that I've learned here. You know? you know, it doesn't even mean that it has to be a fancy meal, does it? No. Uh-uh. And it can even be the same one over mm -hmm. and over. And sometimes it's quick, you know, yeah. like uh, some rolled up turkey and, you know, string cheese and some veggies, you know, and a healthy fat of some sort. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just quick, whatever. It's like a grab and, and go style. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm really rushing, that's what I'll grab on the way out the door sometimes just to keep me going. Well, you know, some of you might be wondering what actually causes low blood sugar levels? So think to yourself for a minute, when do you think you might have low blood sugar? Do you ever experience an, a sudden onset of intense hunger or that unexplainable feeling of anxiety, irritability, or brain fog that really comes kind of out of nowhere? Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you didn't wake up feeling that way. It just right. kind of overcomes you suddenly. Maybe you skipped a meal. Maybe you skipped a snack. Maybe you had a Coca-Cola and ate a bag of chips. You might have had a pastry or a candy bar. So what happens with those high sugar foods is your blood sugar levels go extremely high, too high, and then insulin is overproduced. It's released into the bloodstream to bring down that blood sugar level. So the pancreas will often release too much insulin. Because Especially when we eat sugar. 
Yes, like the Coca-Cola chips example. Right. The pancreas is overproducing that, really just trying to bring that blood sugar level Back down. into a normal range, yes. Mm-hmm. But Dar and Nancy, as you guys know, what happens is that it can overcorrect, kind of goes down too low. That creates low blood sugar, and that can create those feelings of anxiety, irritability, brain fog. And also, that is when those sugar cravings really get strong. Or what we're talking about today, cravings for alcohol. Sadly, alcohol is a quick fix for low blood sugar. And I don't, that's, I think, an important fact is alcohol is a quick fix. Quicker than food. Quicker than food. So it's almost impossible to get that craving under control until you get your blood sugar stabilized. So Nancy, you, um, you had given a couple examples of how you ate or how you eat, currently eat to maintain balanced blood sugar levels. Would you mind just giving some more no, examples? Not at all. Um, first thing in the morning, I drink a glass of water. That's just my go-to. I oh, that's a uh, like good to idea. get hydrated right away. Yeah. And uh, I keep a glass next to the bed at night. If I get up to go to the bathroom, I actually drink some water in the middle of the night. Right. <laughs> I like to keep hydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat a breakfast of eggs. Um, sometimes I'll put like steamed broccoli or sauteed spinach, uh, sweet potatoes, a breakfast meat, or put it all together in a, in a veggie omelet. You know, mm-hmm. um, I really do still like my coffee. Uh, you can't really right. find an AA person. <laughs> well, maybe, but um, so I have a cup of two uh, of that in the morning. Um, and if I'm shorter on time, I'll have a healthy protein shake. Now, Nancy, um, in your coffee, do you put cream or do you just... I do. Okay. Yeah. I actually do the bulletproof sometimes, you know, with okay. a little bit of um, of the MCT oil. And, uh, and you know, and don't, don't you feel good after you have that? I do. That's yeah. because you're getting your blood sugar balanced. Yeah. yeah. It, with it a healthy fat. With a healthy fat. Yeah. And that's why we always say put, you know, like cream or butter or something mm-hmm. in your coffee yep. so that you've or got that. Or macadamia cream. Yes. I like Ooh. that. Oh. That sounds delicious. That's really good. <laughs> So, yeah, and then I'll have a snack, uh, apple with peanut butter or walnuts or pecans and string cheese, veggies with hummus. Um, Lunch is usually pretty simple, like I had said earlier, uh, protein like turkey, chicken, salmon, salad. Um, And dinner is same, you know, uh, kind of a healthy protein, uh, veggies, salad, good carbs. It's sort of like once you get into this routine of eating this way, it's, it's just, just your habit. It. It's yep. your routine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because you know you're going to feel better. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I do, you know, like my chocolate. So I'll have the uh, little occasional dark chocolate too, which is kind of a... Uh, and I don't need a lot of it. It's yeah. just... Because dark chocolate doesn't have much sugar in it. Right. Yeah. It's mostly and it's cocoa. satisfying. Mm-hmm. It's very satisfying. Just a little bit. So I don't need a lot. You know, many of our clients, they get caught up in low blood sugar levels daily. I mean, I think they skip their afternoon snack or, you know, or even their lunch. And then they arrive home with anxiety and cravings. So they pour a glass of wine to calm themselves a little, bring up their blood sugar. And then, you know, maybe they're even too tired to make dinner. So dinner might be cheese and crackers with another glass of wine. That is so common, isn't it? How <laughs> uh-huh. many clients have we 
had explained the cheese and crackers and wine. Yes, right. <laughs> you know, they may not be addicted to alcohol, but if one of their goals is to lose weight, they won't see the numbers on the scale budge. In fact, that you, it is a fact that you cannot drink your wine and lose weight. Sad, but it's true. You know, maybe you can have a glass of wine once a month, but when your liver is detoxing the alcohol, this is more the science behind it, it can't also break down body fat. So people just don't lose weight. And they don't understand. They're in our classes and they say, well, I just don't understand this. The reality is the pounds will likely pile on if you decide you're going to drink wine. And so. I like to think about it. Your body is its either going to be in fat burning mode or fat storing mode, mm-hmm. right? One or the other. And so with alcohol trying to get out of the system with the liver doing all that work, you're definitely going to be in that fat storing mode because right. the liver is already busy. Right. <laughs> so it can't be working on metabolism. So one of the things that I always want, especially if I'm um, working with someone that has an addiction problem, I always say, well, okay, at 4 o'clock or 4.30, have a protein shake. Get your blood sugar balanced before you even start making dinner or you pour that glass of wine. You know, it's just like you've got to do everything to protect that blood sugar and having a protein shake or something like that really works well for a yeah, lot of people. That's perfect. Like the protein shake on our weightandwellness.com mm-hmm. website yeah, would be perfect. Right. Here's how I keep my blood sugar balance. It's, it's similar. You, I know you work hard at this. I do. I do. And, you know, it's worth it, though. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I think this is a, it's, it takes more time. It takes more energy and effort. But, but it's always worth it for that stable feeling of calmness, no cravings more energy. So I start with a balanced breakfast. Um, I usually have three eggs cooked in butter. I mean, people go, three eggs? Three (laughs) eggs, plus a little bit of either bacon or nitrate-free sausage. I like to add some sort of a veggie, maybe spinach. Um, And then I might cook it. I also could use coconut oil, avocado oil, all those healthy fats. And I'm eating four to six times per day and staying away from sugar and refined processed carbs. So, and I can explain a little bit more about that um, when we come back from break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. There are two key vitamins that you should consider taking if you want to support good brain function. First one is vitamin D. We encourage you to have a vitamin D blood test and supplement with enough vitamin D so that you are maintaining blood levels between 50 to 80. So always find out what your actual level is when they test you. Yes. Don't, you know, if it says um, it's fine or positive or... I always it, like or to in call the normal range. Normal, that's it. I like to call, call the nurse. Yes. And make sure you're persistent to get the actual number. And persistent to get the test. Yes. And if it's below 50, that's too low. Mm-hmm. The other nutrient to include is vitamin A. Vitamin A helps deal with stress. And a good source of vitamin A is cod liver oil. Isn't that interesting? It is, yeah. Vitamin A is a stress reducer. It's a stress reducer, and it's in cod liver oil, and we usually suggest two teaspoons per day. So we'll be right back after break. 
At the end of a busy day, it can be tough to get motivated to get out the door for another obligation. And once you're cozy at home, who wants to go back out? But you still want to work on ways to feel better, and nutritional weight and wellness can make that easier. Right now, there are popular Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods classes available online, so you can balance your time too. This class shows you how to use real food to reduce negative moods, increase energy, improve memory, and manage stress. And did I mention it's delicious? Get the same breakthrough coursework taught by the experts at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, but from your home and on your schedule. Learn how to feel better with the Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods class and do it in your slippers and sweatpants. Sign up today. Go to weightandwellness.com and register in a snap. It's online learning from Nutritional Weight and Wellness that helps you balance your time too. Go to weightandwellness.com. What are you waiting for? Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. This may surprise you, but researchers have found that when we have sufficient vitamin A, we can manage stress better. So if your grandma or great-grandma had you taking cod liver oil every morning before school, she knew her nutrition because the vitamin A in cod liver oil helped you manage the stress from school. I think there's a lot of teenagers that could use their cod liver oil these days. So cod liver oil is one of the best ways to provide vitamin A. You know, just two teaspoons daily is a good way to deal with stress. You know, a very safe cod liver oil is an omega-3 care natural cod liver oil that we have. It's 100% pure Norwegian cod liver oil. And, you know, if you want to pick it up, it's at all of our seven metro locations, or you can order it online. So now we're back to yes. blood sugar. We're back to, to, I was just sharing a little bit about like a, a breakfast that I would have to keep my blood sugar balanced. And it's got the protein, the healthy fat, the vegetable carbohydrates. You know, as a matter of fact, some addiction researchers believe that eating too much sugar or, you know, too many processed carbohydrates as well can be a gateway that can lead to other addictions. Having said that, it could be that cereal and a Mountain Dew or a white chocolate mocha latte with a blueberry muffin might not be a good breakfast for a teenager either, for anyone for that matter. But um, that high sugar breakfast can lead to other addictions. Nancy, we would love to get your thoughts on, you know, if you go to the coffee shop and you see teens ordering some of those fancy sugar coffee drinks before or after school, what what's kind of going through your head? I was at a coffee shop yesterday afternoon at a meeting, and around 2.30, 3 o'clock, there was mm-hmm. a group of five or six high school kids that all came in, yep. and they got their high-sugar, fancy coffee drinks with the caramel drizzled all over them and caffeine and the eight pumps of some sort of flavored <laughs> sugar. And like, with oh high-fructose corn syrup. <laughs> How are you going to feel in an hour? You know, I could just see the blood sugar crash coming with um, yawning, tired, inability to focus, being cranky or anxious or, you know, and then try to get to sleep at 10 or 11 at night, you know, because caffeine has that sort of 12 hour, you know, actually longer than 12 hours now. So what? These kids can't sleep at night either. And what about homework? I wonder how that's going. Try to focus. Yeah. Yeah. And just being kind of all over the map. So I don't know. I I mean, it's kind of interesting to start to think about this. These kinds of drinks could be 
an, a, a lead into addiction, other addictions. And yeah. that's, it's really kind of scary then when you think about mm-hmm. it. Yep. And there is that, you know, that when people get the sugar going in their system and that's constant and they keep it going and they have to, and if they don't get it, oh, wow, mm-hmm. watch out. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen it happen both in children and adults, teens. That's right. And myself. <laughs> so, you know, I'm really grateful that I'm not so addicted to that anymore. Well, good. So, you know, the bottom line is when people stop drinking alcohol, the reality is that people still have the imbalances you had before you started drinking. You know, you know, sadly, we know that you even have more imbalances from choosing alcohol or ingesting other toxic ingredients instead of nourishing your body and brain. So alcohol puts stress on your liver. We know that, which is the main organ used to detox your body. You know, when I'm working with someone in recovery, I try to help them or or him or her kind of realize that healthy, healing nutrition is much more than just eating better. It really is. It's a science. You know, it's about making the best possible choice all the time, staying away from fast foods and sodas and the high-sugar coffee drinks. You know, it takes a deeper commitment to embrace a healing diet plan. And that's what I've been trying to do is get people to make commitments, Mm -hmm. their own commitment to their own health. You know, researchers have found that most people in recovery need an eating plan with higher protein and sufficient, good, beneficial fat. And they found that grains and sugars cause more inflammation and can negatively affect the thinking brain. So you just don't think as well when you eat grains. Right. So that would be like bread, crackers, pasta, bagels. All the things that a lot of people eat all the time. Yeah. So Nancy, here's a good question for you. How did you develop that attitude and commitment to yourself to make better healthy food choices? You know, in my first year of sobriety, I gained 30 pounds. Okay. And I switched addictions, you know, really, yep. from drinking alcohol uh, to eating. All sure. of a sudden, my sugar started going up. Mm-hmm. And it was probably emotional because I was so, like, anxious about, you know, trying to live my life as a sober person. And then it was biochemical because it was the sugar, you mm-hmm. know, that I was, my body was really missing after all those years of drinking. So... I gained 30 pounds, and uh, I'd start in the morning with a cinnamon roll, and then, you know, after lunch, I'd have like a candy bar, cookies, things like that, and then every night before bed, I had ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and it was in the 80s, the high-carb, low-fat, you know, Everybody thought that that was the way to eat. Yeah, so then my second year of sobriety, I got really uncomfortable with with that weight, and none of my clothes fit, and I was just kind of over it. So I um, decided to to cut way back, because I could tell what was causing the trouble, and um, that helped. And then... I met you, Dar, in 1998, (laughs) and that really helped things turn around for me. I thought I had kind of a good grip, and, you know, I'm eating healthy. I'm having that bagel for breakfast Mm -hmm. with low-fat something on it or jelly or, you know, whatever. And so um, then I met you, and I started to learn the value of uh, healthy eating on a whole new level. Uh, And just like sobriety, it's simple, but it's not easy at times. Um, That's true. That's so true. Yeah. 
I mean, that's for all of us. Yep. And so when I don't eat well, I feel tired, spacey, irritable, and sleepy. And when I do eat in a balanced way, I feel much better, you know, more energy focused, and I sleep better. Um, I don't always get it right, but, you know, progress, not perfection, <laughs> right? Um, but I find it's a, it's a quality of life issue. And there is one other thing I wanted to share. And my pancreas and my liver had really taken a beating oh, with that really? kind of Oh, Because you were young. I was young. But I had a scan on my abdominal area for um, some female things I had going on. And they weren't so concerned about that, but they were concerned about some little lesions they found on my pancreas and my liver. Wow. And uh, so when I went for the follow-up, the doctor said, this is really not an issue. Um, But how sick were you with the alcoholism? And I said, I was really sick. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you're pancreas and your liver were probably pretty swollen Mm -hmm. or inflamed Mm -hmm. and that's what caused this because it wasn't cancer you know and uh so there was you know evidence there that I had really been sick so you started you went into recovery at age what 25 so I'd only been drinking for 10 years oh (laughs) you know yeah yeah from 15 or 16. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like larger quantities, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was advanced alcoholic yeah. at the age of 25. Okay. So, you see, this isn't uncommon for a lot of people no. that are going through yeah, this. Yeah, it's no. good for people to know that the damage can even be done for a young person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Nancy, thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to share something else. In recent years, there have been a lot of research studies about how our neurotransmitters affect our cravings and our well-being. And neurotransmitters, I just think of those as happy, feel-good chemicals. Two of the most important neurotransmitters to consider and to understand are dopamine and serotonin. I think a lot of people have heard of those two. Yeah, I think so. And so, um, Nancy, you kind of alluded to the fact that you have kind of an understanding about some of this biochemistry now because you've been around the business for a while. Yep, I have. <laughs> you've been learning all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did take your classes, and in the weight and wellness series of classes at uh, Nutritional Weight and Wellness, I learned about the chemistry of why I either feel better or worse based on what I eat. So I try to eat quality protein at least three times a day. I learned about brain chemistry and when my dopamine level is low, how I'll crave sugar. But in the past, it was alcohol. And when So, Nancy, you... You try to eat animal protein at least three times a day. Mm-hmm. I do. And you feel that that keeps your your energy and your dopamine and your your well-being up. Yep, it does. That Mainly seems pretty I simple, it doesn't the, it? The energy, you know, yeah. but then behind the scenes is all this brain chemistry going on, making me feel better, you know. Yeah. And um, then I'll, if I don't get that kind of... Uh, nutrition support, then I start to get tired or crabby or depressed, you mm-hmm. know, depression can set in too. So, um, yeah, it's been really helpful to learn about this in the classes. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. 
I mean, that I think that might be a new thought for people that animal protein several times per day is working as building blocks to make more serotonin, more dopamine. So we have fewer cravings, we have more energy, more focus, better moods. So it's time for our last break already. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Today just might be the day you decide you need to do something about your health and nutrition. If you're experiencing cancer, heart disease, joint pain, depression, or alcoholism, you will be surprised how much better you feel when you follow a real food plan like Nancy and Dar and I follow as well. Come in for a two-hour initial consultation and let the nutritionists and dietitians help you eat better to feel better. And we can meet you in person, we can talk to you on the phone, or we can we can use Skype. In other words, if you live out of state, if you're in the United States and you're in Texas, Montana, if you're out east, even if you're in New Zealand, we have clients across the world. We can help you with your nutrition. Call 651-699-3438 to set up an appointment, or you can go to our website at weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Nancy, it was really a pleasure to have you share your story on our show today. You know, today's special guest, Nancy Lindgren, not only has 39 years of sobriety, going on 40, she also has a very active healing practice. And I know, Nancy, people are going to hear this podcast and they're going to say, I want, to, I want more information. So if they have questions for you, can they call you or how did they get a hold of you? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, um, you can go to my website, uh, nancyandlindgren.com, mm-hmm. or call me, 612-868-2160 is my phone number to see if it would feel like a fit to work with me. I, um, I'm a counselor. I do energy psychology with people and um, do energy healing with people to help them release what's keeping them stuck so that they can move forward. So it might be physical or emotional pain that they're stuck with. And um, it really helps people free that up and they can move forward uh, and do the things in their life that they want to. So, um, and I love my work. I'd love to work with people and help them that way. Um, I really think that it's important to have a good quality life. Mm -hmm. And uh, maintaining uh, quality sobriety is a part of that for me. And I think when people are new in their sobriety, they're looking for so many ways to try to to stay sober, get sober. And I think the AA program is wonderful for that. Um, and also, you know, the, all the behind the scenes stuff, the, the emotional and the physical part of life. Um, and I think that really we got to eat, you know, to keep ourselves feeling better. We may as well eat quality food and take good <laughs> supplements. And, yeah, I mean, that's you know, a good point. And, um, you know, we all know how we feel when we don't eat very well. Our bodies ache. Um mm-hmm. Uh, we get sick more often, uh, the anxiety and depression set in. And I think it's really important to pay attention to those kinds of things because then the, if the anxiety and the depression start setting in, then the then cravings could, set in. The cravings set in, and then all of a sudden you could lose hope. And mm-hmm. um, 
And people relapse a lot, don't they? They do. And um, I think I've been scared to drink in a really Good. healthy way because I don't know how many, if I could ever get sober again. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the things that we said in earlier in the show is that people come into this, you know, addiction problem with some imbalances in their body and brain. Right. And then they get worse. Right. Yeah. So if they go back to drinking, it's they have a lot of imbalances and it's hard. It's really hard for people to not crave alcohol and to rely on that for what they think is stress reducing. Right, right. They think it's going to take the edge off. They think it's going to relax them. They think it's going to help. And it might in that moment, but, you know, you're just going to wake up to a much bigger problem. Yeah. You know, uh, after you're off to the races again, because people who are alcoholic actually have a biochemical imbalance and they can't stop. Right. And um, they have to keep this certain amount of alcohol in their system to maintain this feeling that they're after. And I think that if you can just get yourself balanced with doing all the physical, emotional, mental things um, that we need to to keep our lives in balance, we're going to feel better and stay on track better. So if we look at some of that chemistry, you know, we were talking in terms of we need our neurotransmitters to work and we know that we have a couple of hundred neurotransmitters and they're all made from protein, yep. aren't they? Yep. And, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, if you're looking at the chemistry, we know that when people are low on dopamine, they crave, I mean, they just crave food, they crave alcohol, they crave Excitement mm -hmm. because yep. they don't have any excitement going on in their brain because they don't, they're low on dopamine. Right, right. So I think what you've said is it's really important to, you know, start your day with some of that protein, you know, a couple yep. of eggs or yep. some pork sausage or a steak or something like that. Yeah. And Cara, maybe would you just talk a little bit about the other main neurotransmitter, serotonin? Yes. Yeah. The other key neurotransmitter affected by alcohol in our food choices is serotonin. And signs of low serotonin are anxiety or depression, impulsive behavior, being, feeling irritable, um, low self-esteem, which is really interesting, just kind of uh, just a poor sense of yourself, you know, mm -hmm. just being kind of self-conscious and insomnia and sleep issues. The production of serotonin needs an amino acid called tryptophan. So again, where do we get tryptophan? We get that from animal protein. And we're also, we, we need vitamin D, we need iron, magnesium, calcium, vitamin C, and B6. I mean, these are all really important nutrients. And, you know, Nancy, that, you know, you mentioned about the people stopping at the coffee house, the teenagers. Yep. Not going to find any, there's no protein probably in any of this. Or if there is a little bit of milk, there's a ton of sugar, isn't there? Oh, a ton. I don't even know how many teaspoons of sugar in one of those, but it's got to be like 25, 30. It has yep. to be. At yeah. least, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yep. and now they're starting to carry a little bit of, you know, like they'll have a little... Um, food there, but that's not what people are grabbing. You know, they're mm -hmm. not getting the apples and cheese or whatever they have in those little mm -hmm. food packs at, at the coffee shops that they're starting to put in there. There are more <laughs> bagels, muffins, cookies. Oh yeah, cakes, sandwiches, cookies, yeah, mm -hmm. coffee drinks. Much yeah. more of that than the 
like yeah. the cheese and meat and fruit tray. <laughs> right, right. So Nancy, you are eating really well most of the time. Mm-hmm. Not a hundred percent. Nope. But now, so are you taking any vitamins? I mean, you know, we know that like vitamin D is really important to maintain uh, a healthy brain so you have less depression. I am uh, very strict about my vitamin D3 that mm-hmm. I take, uh, 5,000 units a day. Um, magnesium. I take calcium, uh, vitamin C, and your wonderful multivitamin um, to help me feel better, more balanced. And okay. fish oil, you know, the cod liver oil. Yep. I love it when I take that. My body feels really good when I yeah, take that Yeah, isn't one. that amazing? Because mm-hmm. you can actually feel a difference. I can, yeah. Yeah. It's subtle, but it's really mm-hmm. powerful how it can kind of sneak up in a good way or a bad way. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. You know, nutrition or food for recovery and sobriety is really very, very complex. You know, it's it's much more scientific than even Bill Wilson, the founder of AA, ever knew. However, he was aware that we all need vitamin B6 for that serotonin production that that Cara was talking about. You know, to change your food choices from grabbing whatever is available, you know, while on a run to a well-thought-out food plan which will restore nutrients to your brain, it can often take weeks and months of individual nutrition therapy. It takes time, doesn't it? I mean, I think that's one of the things that they recommend going to an AA meeting every week, at least once a week. Some people go every day. Yep. And it takes time to recover your body and to recover your brain. You know, Bill Wilson realized the importance of nutrition as a key to recovery over 50 years ago. And today, more and more people are seeking recovery and sobriety. And to be successful in recovery and sobriety, nutrition or wise food choices are one of the most important factors to include. It's, I just said it's one, one of the most. There's so many more things. I mean, we know that physical activity is important. Yeah. We know going to your meetings is important. I mean, there's sleep, so, it's sleep is, important. is important. Oh, yeah. Your right. spiritual life is important. Very much so. It's just yeah. one more tool in the toolbox of eating healthy because it's not going to be the whole answer for sure. Right. Yeah. So, you know, at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we always consider food first for any health condition, including recovery and sobriety from alcoholism. If you are one of the many people seeking recovery and sobriety, you know, call our office today at 651-699-3438 and set up an appointment for an individual nutrition consultation because we try to put together all the things that's going to help you feel more relaxed and less stressed so that you can actually um, have a quality of life. Mm-hmm. And be less likely to be you know, one of the up to 90% of people who relapse. Right. So it's about, it's about staying with that sobriety in your quality recovery and having a high quality of life and, and not just getting by day by day. You're not drinking, but you feel like you're surviving. Mm-hmm. And Nancy is or thriving. white knuckling it. <laughs> yeah. Nancy's thriving. She's not white knuckling, but it's taken some knowledge and education and hard work, work on her part for sure. 
So I want to thank you, Dar, for a wonderful show. And thank you, Nancy, for being such a great guest. Yes, and Nancy, thank you. For having very, me. This has been great. <laughs> Personal story. Um, and Cara, it's great. Been fun working with been, you today. Yeah, it's fun to be back with you in the studio. <laughs> Our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a simple yet powerful message. Eating real food is life-changing. Thank you all for listening and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.